open up your books, you bad apples. There we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club. I'm Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. And Cole, how's it going today? Quarantined. Staying busy. And, you know, actually, it's been a good weekend. Um, I had lots of time to study for my calculus midterm exam. Um, you know, not, not getting straight A's in this class, but um, I'm staying afloat with my C, C+. Plus, and I'm very proud of that. It's a very hard class. So, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good this weekend. I can't think of any one thing that I despise more than difficult math. Yeah, I, I don't know. I re, that's why I thought in high school too, and then I I had to take some prerequisite course math for like college algebra trig, and I was like really good at that, like getting A A pluses. But then I thought calculus would be the same, and it's not. Um, I, I I definitely think math is easier, especially for males. Um, once our brains are more developed. Um, it, the difference was light and day for me in college compared to high school. So, well, how how are you doing over there? Oh, you know, just hanging out. Really nice out today, and that's about the size of it. Yeah, um, it, it's nice over here too. I, I I put some meats on the grill. That was really good. Ooh. Yeah. Um. Well, as you just mentioned, Doctor Jekyll, we're capping off our short series on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde today, or The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Bit of a wordy title when you actually write the whole thing out, but that's all right. I like it. Last week, we were introduced to, I forget, Mr. Utterson. He, He does investigate this strange phenomenon, but he's actually a attorney or something, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, but it's, you know, he, he's the right guy for it, he's logical, he is... Dusty. Yeah, dusty, and old, and boring, and just the perfect guy for, well, an ordinary case, but as the book suggests, this is a very strange case. Um, yes, it is. We don't know what's going on, um, but yep. there, there, there's something weird going on. Like Doctor Jekyll, he's got this weird relationship with Mister Hyde, and Mister Hyde at first, you know, he was just having fun around London. You know, he, you know, he he's uh, walking down the streets, and, but eventually he starts trampling children, which we don't like that here at the Bad Apple Book Club. We. No. Nope. We uh, we're trying to cancel that actually, and yeah, and Mr. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll they're still acquaintances, but then uh, Dr. Jekyll he he decides enough is enough once Mr. Hyde beats a senator to death or this member of parliament, and the one thing that's really throwing Mr. Utterson off is that in Dr. Jekyll's will because he's He's a lawyer, this Mr. Utterson, and Dr. Jekyll, he makes it very clear in his will that if he were to die or disappear, he, all of his belongings would go to 
nefarious mr hyde this random guy no one had ever heard of pretty much before the child stomping incident i suppose and yeah this very renowned doctor is just pretty much signing his life away to him as we'll see later he or i suppose the will is already written out but yeah no one knows where this dude came from and everyone likes jekyll but he's like I know that uh, this Hyde guy seems a little rough around the edges, but you guys just got to give him another chance. Yeah, yep, and Dr. Jekyll, he's just, he doesn't know how to handle his friend murdering somebody, so (laughs) with the trampling thing, totally fine with, um, but murder, that's a a bit too far. I'm not sure that I'd know how to handle either of those situations if I knew someone who had, yeah, stomped a child or beat an old man to death. Not cool. You know, you might be talking to one right now. I do not... Sometimes children, they just need to learn learn their lesson, you know? Is that uh, a little bit of Mr. Hyde coming out in you, Cole? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, no, that's terrible. Um, uh. but yeah, and like the final, the, the, the thing we left off on, on episode one was that, you know, Dr. Jekyll hands Mr. Utterson this letter and like he brings it to this guy and he has this other letter that's written by, um, Mr. Hyde. So he's looking at the two letters and he's like, this is like the same handwriting. And that's, that's the thing. They think that, uh, this, this, uh, Mr. Hyde is blackmailing Dr. Jekyll somehow because Dr. Jekyll had this, you know, he, he liked to raise a little hell back in the day. And yeah, they think Mr. Hyde might've been his like frat buddy, uh, but they had, you know, they just parted ways over some type of scuffle. So the, they really think Mr. Hyde is uh, uh, blackmailing. So frat friends um, doing old timey beer bongs and <laughs> topping out those uh, old Fords going five miles an hour, but technically that was uh, super fast back then. But yeah. they were just kind of just kind of crawling down the street, and everyone's going to slow that car down. <laughs> like when back when you could drink and drive. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. You're just going five I think, miles. I think it was an illegal hour. not to back in those days. Yeah, <laughs> back when uh, the drive the operator was powered by gin. Oh, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And during this time, I think that gin was, like, crazy popular. Like, that's that's what everyone drank there in London. So, but, yeah, I'm I'm ready to dive into part two if you are. Let's go nuts. All righty. So, like we said, there was this uh, brutal murder of a man of parliament. And it's been some time after that. Uh, terrible terrible event and despite having like these huge warrants uh, wanted posters around town they can't find Mr. Hyde he's just nobody can find him he's gone without a trace yep Dr. Jekyll meanwhile his health is getting back to normal and uh, he's conversing with his buddies once again because you know he's kind of giving him a cold shoulder he's been like pretty sick throughout this time 
especially once um, the murder happened, he was kind of went on lockdown. But now he's feeling pretty good. And so he decides to have this nice dinner party, you know. Yeah, so Dr. Jekyll, he's holding this dinner party with his pals. And after that, he, uh, after just one dinner party, he's like, you know what? I'm out of my quarantine. I got my social life figured out. I got my social life fill. Um, I'm just done. I'm going to lock myself up again. And everyone's just like really thrown off about this because uh, it's not him to not be sociable. Yeah, he's taking a very sharp turn very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, over the course of the story, especially when this weird Mister Hyde just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't, weird relationship. I don't know. Yep. Yep. Abusive, probably. And so Utterson. He's like, all right, what's going on with my friend? I'm worried about him. So he goes to Dr. Lanyon, and this is the guy who was friends with Dr. Jekyll, but he was like, uh, we don't talk anymore. He's getting into into some weird sciences. Uh, he's getting into unscientific balderdash. That was uh, Dr. Lanyon. And, Ooh. you know, he's like, all right, you know, what what's going on with Dr. Jekyll? So... He goes there, and Dr. Lanyon, uh, he's he's not looking too hot. He says, quote, he had his death warrant written legibly on his face. So, what an eloquent way to say that someone looks like complete crap. Yeah, um, I thought that was a pretty fun quote. He's just uh, not seeing his best days right now. <laughs> nope. Um and Utterson thinks to himself, you know, this guy's a doctor. He's got he's got to know that he's not looking too hot. His health is probably isn't that good. <laughs> Being the detective he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a very good one at that. Yeah, yeah. And so Dr. Lanyon, uh, he admits that he, I, I've seen something horrific. And uh, it scared me so much. That I, I probably just got like a few weeks left on this earth. Um, <laughs> he says, "Just quote, gonna die." Yeah, you know, I I really couldn't stand uh, paranormal activity. <laughs> that uh, yeah. that one really uh, shivered me timbers. Uh, Ooh, that Conjuring movie sure is spooky. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Uh, and and so he says, "Quote life." Has been pleasant. I liked it, yes. I, I, I really used to like it. And Utterson asks, Well, you know, your friend Dr. Jekyll, he's pretty ill too. What's up with him? <laughs> like, just not even paying attention to this guy's health. And yeah. he's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to get to Dr. Jekyll, what's up with him? Um, and he says, quote, You know, I, I'm done with him. Uh, you'll just have to wait until I'm dead to find out what is so disturbing. Um, so if you're just going to talk about this Dr. Jekyll, uh, get out of here. So Utterson, he just kind of leaves. He doesn't even, like, say goodbye or, like, ask him if he needs some water. Um, I could I could see myself reacting similarly in that situation. I've seen something so horrific that I'm just going to die. And if you want to keep talking about one of my best buddies, then just split. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. See you later. 
yeah understandable um be seeing you yep <laughs> probably see you never <laughs> yep uh so at home utterson he starts to write to jekyll and he's like um you know i visited dr lanyon and his health isn't too good but i really don't care about that what i care about is you dr jekyll um you know what's going on between you two and Dr. Jekyll, he responds, uh, you know, five days later because it's not through text. And he says, yeah, I don't blame the guy. I I care for you both, but uh, I must live a life of seclusion because I got into some pretty bad stuff. And he says, "If if I am the chief of sinners, I am the chief of suffering. I thought that was pretty interesting, doing a little bad apple callback, you know. Uh, Raskolnikov, he did some unspeakable sins, but he's going to suffer for it. And Dr. Jekyll, he's pretty much saying the same thing. Uh, he did something... Good callback. Yeah, so I think Dr. Jekyll just needs to go to Siberia and... Uh, hard labor. Do some hard labor, yep. Yep. Yeah, and Dr. Lanyon, he dies a few weeks later like he said he would he basically gives this letter addressed to utterson utterson he opens this letter and there's another letter inside and it basically says this shall not be opened till the death or disappearance of dr henry jekyll um obviously it Utterson, he's kind of losing it. He's like, why is everyone saying the disappearance of Dr. Jekyll? Like, uh, like they just expect him to be plucked off the face of the earth. Yeah. Like, did, gone. This, did this man discover a black hole? Um, I, I really don't know. And that's just the way Utterson is feeling right now. Yeah. So Utterson, he's very curious. Um, but, you know, he's... He's not gonna. He's not gonna open this thing because he's not a man to start rumors, and he's respectful of his dead friend that he didn't really care about. Um, Good man. Yeah, and he decides to make visits to uh, Doctor Jekyll, but Doctor Jekyll is not allowing any visitors, and he gets denied every time. So with each denial, um, Doctor Jekyll just kind of visits him less frequently utterson and enfield they're they're doing their thing they're doing their weekly walks uh their boring walks were like completely silent yeah no word could be said and they just have it's like going to disney world for them mm-hmm. <laughs> um and enfield says uh you know they they get to this door which is Mr. Hyde's door that is so often mentioned and Enfield says wait a second wait a second Mr. Utterson do you see that this is connected to Dr. Jekyll's and then Utterson just kind of like why yes my friend I I saw that the first time I saw this place Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty obvious actually yeah the courtyard's right there and you can see that Mm. the houses are connected (laughs) Mm, that's pretty weird Uh, yeah Uh, very close friends very close yep oh yeah I, I always like thought of that as a kid like um me and my neighborhood friends would always be like, we're going to build uh, 
tunnels to each other's houses one day, right? And so we can always visit each other. But obviously that never happened. Um, oh, that just, would have been pretty awesome. They step into the courtyard and because this is also Dr. Jekyll's residence. And they're like, you know what? Maybe maybe we'll see Dr. Jekyll today. And th- they do. They see Dr. Jekyll and he's looking out the window and he's like, he's not looking too happy. He says, uh, Dr. Jekyll is looking out the window with infinite sadness like a prisoner. Oof. And so, like, Utterson and Enfield, they're both out there like, hey, Dr. Jekyll, come on. Come outside. Come on. Like, take a walk with us. Uh, and jo- Dr. Jekyll's like, you know what? This, uh, I'm not feeling too hot, guys. Uh, <laughs> I actually really like talking from my house. This is fine. <laughs> uh, uh, but after he says this, there's like this sudden expression of terror on his face, and he just scrams. Like, he leaves the scene. And Utterson and Enfield have never seen him act like this. And they're both very frightened, and they just walk out of the uh, courtyard, and they feel very guilty for witnessing this. So they say, "God forgive us, God forgive us," as they're uh, walking out of the courtyard. It's, it's almost like Jekyll's got a gun to his back or something. Very strange. Something, something weird's going on here. Something is aloof. Yep. One night, the butler comes to Utterson's house, and he's uh, very worried about Dr. Jekyll, saying, quote, There's been foul play. And uh, Mr. Utterson, he's like, All right, uh, finally, my detective skills are, uh, will be put to, put to the test here. Um, so he picks up his hat, and they make their way to Dr. Jekyll's. The night... Is very cold and windy. The streets of London are deserted. The moonlit streets are uh, moonlit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the lamps are just flickering. And it's very creepy. Very, like, uh, just spooky. Spooky night. Like, nobody is, you know, it's very common in London, uh, you know, to have a little bit of nightlife. But tonight is not the night. It's a spooky one. And the for, the weatherman said it too. He said tonight's gonna be a spooky night, so stay particularly indoors. spooky out tonight. Lots of lots of black cats. <laughs> Lot, lots of black cats. Um, and just stay out of the Doctor Jekyll neighborhood. Yep. Yep. They arrive, and despite the harsh cold, the butler is like sweating bullets. Uh, but it's because he's just so scared. Um, and they enter. And there's, like, all these servants that are huddled in the main hall, this giant big hall. And they're all huddled by this fireplace like a flock of sheep. So they're very fearful about whatever's going on in this uh, residence. And the butler, he brings Utterson to the door of the lab that has been locked for weeks and says, Sir, Mr. Utterson's here. And the strange voice inside replies that he doesn't want to see him. So, something strange is going on. It's a very strange voice. They go back to the kitchen. There's The, the fire is out. It's extinguished from the wind. And beetles are crawling on the floor. Ooh. <sighs> yep. And the butler says, Sir, was that my master's voice? 
a week ago, I heard him cry out to God, unquote. Utterson, you know, he's trying to keep it together because this is very creepy. The This isn't the man's, this isn't Dr. Jekyll's voice. Uh, right. This is a voice that is the farthest thing from it. And he's trying to be rational about this. And, but he really thinks that someone has killed Jekyll and he's locked himself in the lab with his dead body. Yeah, that was something that the butler actually specifically brought up was that he hasn't seen anyone come or go out of this door, but that's the only reasonable explanation he can come up with is, well, I mean, both of them can come up with, is that um, Jekyll has been murdered because there's just this, like we said, this strange, unfamiliar voice coming from the other side of the door. But as far as they know, Jekyll's the only dude inside. Or was the only dude inside? Yeah, yeah, we don't know. And another th- weird thing was, like, they they notice that these footsteps are, like, really uneven. They are not Dr. Jekyll's. There's, like, a limp in this walk. It's very weird. And the butler, or like, so Utterson, he's also trying to think like, okay, why hasn't this man fled yet? Like, that's very weird um, that th- this murderer is just chilling with Dr. Jekyll waiting to be caught. And the butler explains that this strange voice, because the voice has been very strange for a few days, and he says that it's been crying like a lost soul day and night um and he just wants this medicine of sorts and he sends the butler all over town to every single drugstore in london but the stores are either out of this ingredient which is salt (laughs) it's just salt (laughs) and uh he also says that the salts aren't pure enough so well you know, for thinking that um, his boss has been murdered by a man and that he's, like, taking domicile inside the house with the murderer and his boss's dead body, this butler is being very professional. Did you want me to, like, swing by McDonald's while I was out there, too, while I was out <laughs> trying to find your strange salts? Like, did you need anything else? Did you need some gin? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, like, super weird. Um, so Utterson, he's like, all right, well, let me, let, let me see these, uh, receipts that you've been getting from the, the McDonald's and, uh, Chick-fil-A. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, but, but really, they're just, like, these orders, like, that this, this, uh, person, person is requesting inside. Yeah, and, and so, like, these letters... They start out like 90% polite. They're like very formal. They're like one uh, cup of salt, please, um, mm-hmm. for Dr. Jekyll. Um, and then as they go on, as the dates get closer to the present day, they're like, for God's sakes, just give me the goddamn salt that I was using before. <laughs> like, uh-uh. <laughs> Um, but it's in handwriting, so it's like these scribbles, and they're very violent and all over the page. Utterson, 
he says that it's obviously Dr. Jekyll's handwriting. So that's what's also weird. And the butler, he doesn't really care because he's seen what's inside the laboratory. Uh, and he's like, sir, that is not Dr. Jekyll. Uh, and there, so once again, like the handwriting thing is like another weird clue, I guess we could say at this point, because we're going to find out. And right. so he sees the figure uh, one day, the butler, because the door was left open t- to the lab. And what he saw, he says, makes the hair stand stand up on his neck. And this figure is wearing a mask and it just looks at him runs and cries out like a rat so So strange yeah it's like a dang peter pettigrew figure from harry potter like this very weird thing and utterson he's like trying to be rational because he at this point he has no rational explanation and he's like you know the mask is just a metaphor for him masking his feelings like this was obviously dr jekyll um you know it's just totally normal for him to mask his feelings here and he might be a little bit lonely um and he also says you know um i i really think that um it's just a condition that has changed his voice uh there's nothing weird about it it's a little thing that uh um people do in times of times of trouble they try to create a new personality maybe wear a mask you know change their voice it's totally normal (laughs) oh yeah yeah and the butler is like this this was like a dwarf this guy was small and uh have you met this guy named mr hyde yeah it kind of looked like him so what is mr hyde doing in this room uh well, I guess we'll find out. So, calling to action, Utterson, obviously, he hates Mr. Hyde. Never liked him. Most people, except for Dr. Jekyll, hate this guy. Literally every single person. It's not just that they hate him either, it's that they get a look at him and they say, there is something so creepy about this guy's face that I just can't put my finger on. And uh, if it were up to me, I'd never, I'd never meet this guy again. I'm not sure what Jekyll so baddie about him for yeah i don't know he has his reasons i suppose yeah but you know as as back when they're in the frat back in uh omega kappa theta Feta. oh yeah yep utterson he's fearing for dr jekyll's life like he's like what did mr hyde do to him because everyone thinks he's blackmailing uh dr jekyll here utterson he tells two of the servants to grab some sticks, literal sticks, um, and guard the back entrance of the lab in case if anything goes wrong, they can whack uh, Hyde if he tries to escape. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like out of all the things in the house, you're going to tell him to grab sticks. Okay. Yep. Um, And so Utterson himself, he goes to the entrance of the lab and he has this axe with him. And, like, the wind is just howling, candlelights are flickering, barely staying, like, lit. And they stand outside the main entrance of the lab and says, I'm pretty suspicious of what's going on in there, Hyde, so I'm coming in to see you. And he just freaking, 
you know, he, he hands the axe over to the butler because I guess Hutterson can't swing an axe. <laughs> well, that's what the butler's there for. Yeah. Yeah. The butler has always been the axe man. He just has this yep. weird obsession with axes. Um, I don't know. Um, but, you know, America has gun culture, but the UK has uh, axe culture. Um, there you go. Very passionate. And so, yeah, the butler just starts swinging at the door and Hyde just says out loud, quote, Utterson, for God's sake, have mercy. And then uh, they open up the door. They bust down the door like it's The Shining. And they enter the messy room. And Hyde is pretty much dead, lying on the floor. And he's, like, heavily contorted. All of his limbs are just, like, in this weird position. And he's twitching. And he's got Dr. Jekyll's clothes on, and he's got this crushed vial in his hand. So there's this weird thing where he just loves to try on Dr. Jekyll's clothes because he has the most fashionable uh, closet in London, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) He might. Yep. Yep, he's a Versace man. Um, And so they search the room, and they just, they, they can't find any signs of Jekyll. Like, they go through all the cabinets, and they come across like this really big mirror, um, which I, I think back in the day, mirrors were pretty expensive, um, but this thing's giant. And they're like, you know what? This mirror has seen some weird shit. Like it's seen some Ooh. horrific shit. And they keep searching and on the table, there's a letter with Utterson's name on it. And inside is the will. But instead of Hyde being the beneficiary, beneficiary, it it's like changed to Mr. Utterson. So Hyde is no longer getting anything, and Ooh. yep, the ultimate betrayal. And Utterson thinks that Hyde, you know, he he's just had this big fit where he locked himself into Doctor Jekyll's lab uh, because he didn't get the will. It's just his favorite place to throw a temper tantrum. And there's another note that instructs Mr. Utterson to read the note that Dr. Lanyon gave him immediately. So basically he tells him, you know, if if you're kind of weirded out about this situation there, Mr. Utterson, just read the read the letter that Dr. Lanyon give you gave you. And if you're still confused, just read my own personal statement. And he signs this. Your unworthy and unhappy friend, Henry Jekyll. What a way to sign. Yep. Uh, We're pretty worried about him. He's definitely seen better days. Check in on your friends, you know. Yeah. Yep, make sure they're doing well out there. And in Dr. Lanyon's letter, Dr. Lanyon, he basically receives instructions from Dr. Jekyll. This was like a few days prior. And he's like, you know, break into one of my drawers, man, and bring it back to the house. You know, we're going to just trust the process here. And at at Lanyon's own house, a man will arrive at midnight. Dr. Lanyon, he's like, you know, I, I just had a falling out with this guy. This letter's really strange, but I am still worried about him. So I'm going to go get this drawer that he's talking about at uh, Dr. Jekyll's. And inside... Of this drawer, 
he finds these vials with like a salt-like substance and this strange red liquid. Um, and there's this lab book which contains years of experiments and like um, they just have these notes towards the, well, especially in the beginning uh, that just say total failure. This was a waste of time. Very interesting, you know, a bit of a callback thing here. This is already a little more descriptive, I think, scientifically than Frankenstein ever was, especially when he was obviously creating the monster. But um, I really like picturing all these bubbling cauldrons and beakers and stuff with the mysterious red vial. You got no idea what's going on with this thing, but... You know, I suppose that's half the fun is it can't be explained away. So why bother trying to, you know, yeah. it's just some strange looking liquids and a, <laughs> a bunch of salt. Yeah, a bunch of regular Epsom salt. Like, <laughs> yep. Um, nothing special. It's just Kool-Aid and salt. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> you might have to try that out one day. See how it goes for you. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, it is very interesting. Like, uh, once again, getting, I, I think, uh, the mad scientist was definitely created with Frankenstein, but it was, uh, it was definitely elaborated further with this, with this story. Right. Um, Mr. Lanyon, Dr. Lanyon, I guess, uh, he, he returns to his house with this drawer of like weird substances and midnight strikes there's a knock that's heard on the door. And Dr. Lanyon, he answers, and there's a strange small man with baggy clothes on. <laughs> Who could it be? <laughs> this is like the third or this is like the fifth or sixth time we've heard this man described. <laughs> uh, and like uh, Dr. Lanyon, he's never met this man before. Obviously, it's Mr. Hyde, but he's never met him. And Dr. Lanyon's like, you know, this guy's pretty weird but i'm gonna see what he wants because i trust dr jekyll i trust his plan <laughs> you know trust the plan right. <laughs> um and the man he just like doesn't even take a seat or anything he's just like all right where's the substances um and he he's like tugging on his arm too and dr lanyon's just like really disgusted he's like well sir i haven't even like got you a glass of water or anything uh but here's your drawer of weird substances i don't uh, need any water just give me the drawer <laughs> yeah i just i, I love cabinets uh, yep <laughs> and so the man he just once he sees this drawer the man just like jumps on it and <laughs> Dr. Lanyon's like, where's your manners? But <laughs> he just says, uh, quote, compose yourself. <laughs> and, yeah, the other, or Hyde is pretty amped. Yeah, Hyde is, uh, he's found his drug, yeah. Um, he's already pretty intense in the first place, but yeah, once he, <laughs> once he gets his mysterious red vials of liquid, then he starts singing a different tune. Maybe not a more polite tune, but he's definitely probably less on edge than when he walks in and he's like shaking this guy's shoulder like so uh, you read the note didn't you <laughs> yeah he's like uh he's very excited about this uh, and oh yeah it's like oh did someone get addicted to uh <laughs> their substance um, yep. <laughs> so hide he mixes the ingredients 
and a graduated cylinder. The colors, you know, at first it's this red liquid, but he pours in the salt or whatever it is, and he starts stirring it, and it turns purple, and then it's green, and then it's spouting out this vapor, and Hyde... Awesome. Yeah, very cool visuals. Uh, just like straight out of a Halloween decoration. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, all right, so Hyde, he basically asks, like, have you seen enough? Do you want me to go, or do you want to witness this? And if you would do stay to witness, if you do let me say, stay, you will witness, quote, a new province of knowledge and new avenues to fame and power. Your sight shall be blasted by a prodigy to stagger the unbelief of Satan. <laughs> and Now, before we even go any further, Cole, if a strange man does all the same stuff in front of you and he says that exact quote at you, how are you not going to stick around to see the new provinces of knowledge and the new avenues of fame and power? You know what I mean? He's just, he's really selling it, I think. Well, yeah, I, this is literally the, um, every scene in any superhero movie where the origin of the villain is being created and like, there's just this unimportant character that's about to get killed off. <laughs> and that's uh. Dr. Lanyon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I definitely want to see this thing. And Dr. Lanyon's like, you know what? It's fine. It's, it's one o'clock in the morning. I probably won't get to sleep for another hour. Sure. Go crazy. What's the, what's yep. the worst that can happen? Will I die? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's like, I'll witness whatever you got there. Uh, blow me away. And Hyde replies. And now, you, you who have so long been bound to the most narrow and material views, you who have denied the virtue of transcendental medicine, you have derided your superiors. Behold. And he drinks the mixture in one gulp. He cries and stumbles and he just falls over onto this table. His face and body starts to swell. Then it melts and twists, and Dr. Lanyon covers his eyes at the terror, screaming, Oh God! Oh God! As the man in front of him turns into none other than Dr. Jekyll. Whoa! Whoa! Um, now, now that we finally got that out of the way. Oh my God, thank um, God. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> that was so hard. This is, a, this is a particularly strange story just because... Um, even if you don't, I mean, even if you haven't read it, I feel like everyone knows Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and that they're the same guy and that it's the good guy and the, the naughty guy. Um, and it's nice to get to this point in the story because, uh, well, I don't know. We were talking about it before the show and I was kind of wondering if it would seem super obvious reading through because he's, uh, well, right away, you know, it is just a strange child-stomping man. But then as the plot thickens, you know, he's wearing Jekyll's clothes and they're never in the same room at the same time. And it seems like whenever Hyde comes out, Jekyll gets sicker and sicker. Um, so I don't know that... Would you say that this would be an obvious plot twist if you had the luxury of reading the story without knowing about it before? 
I'm usually not good with plot twists, um, so probably not. The only like hints I can think of is the clothes, the right, the him always appearing in Doctor Jekyll's clothes, um, and there's obviously a lot of symbolism we can dive into uh, in next week's review. Like the house right. is connected, and like it's like this literal shack that's living inside of <laughs> Jekyll's brain. Um, yep, the area tucked away from everyone else that he never told anyone about or whatever. Yeah, and then there's like Mr. Hyde because he's hiding his true guilty pleasures. Um, I, oh I would my say god, his name his name is Hyde because he is hiding it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That one took me a minute. I mean, wow. Yeah. Um, and no, before, because like there was a lot of early movie adaptations of this um and like before that came out like this shook the world so i i wouldn't say awesome. i would have been able to call it to be honest oh yeah of course you know i'm sitting here thinking that it might seem kind of obvious but anything seems obvious in retrospect yeah yeah it's just like any other major spoiler and if you didn't know this spoiler, um, good for you. Yeah, good, awesome. That's. Uh, it's, I hope you have enjoyed the twist. <laughs> I actually was talking to someone who I was telling them that we were covering this story, and they said that they had heard the names, but they didn't know literally anything outside of the names. So I hope that they uh, picked it up or something. That would be pretty exciting. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, with how interestingly told this story is with the chronology and all that stuff, um, Utterson breaking into that room was technically the last part of the story to happen, right? Or he's reading these letters after that happens, I suppose, actually. The, the story ends, I, I should have mentioned that, um, this, the, basically Mr. Utterson's narrative ends once he discovers these letters and obviously the last part that we just talked about the transformation was from dr lanyon's letter the next part will be dr jekyll's perspective and why he's been doing this and his experience with it so i do like how the story is told but that part does get a little bit confusing because lanyon dies off before you know we're actually told well, of course, it plays such a big part in the story because that's the reveal there, but he does die off, and then we read his letter off. So it does... Um, it's written very interestingly in that way, too, not just because it's, like, super dense with the old language. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Lanyon, he has no, like, other part of the story other than to carry on the story and, well, give us the twist. Right. Um, he's a pretty minor character that just literally dies after seeing the transformation of Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Jekyll is just kind of like yeah you didn't like this science but look at what I discovered I'm gonna be uh... oh yeah I have created life out of nothing buddy or uh oops mm, wrong story <laughs> sorry sorry still got Frankenstein on the brain <laughs> that is embarrassing <laughs> 
Yeah, no, he's like, you have no idea the the hell I'm going to have to live with in the next few weeks, but I gotcha, gotcha, bud. Yep. <laughs> You're going to die oh, yeah. now. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So, yeah, but next. So that letter's done. Once the transformation's done, Dr. Lanyon's perspective is done, and this is the letter from Dr. Jekyll. So Jekyll, he explains like his upbringing. He's like, you know, very similar to Frankenstein. I I drew a lot of similarities to him and uh, Victor Frankenstein. But they uh, both come from well-off families. They're respected. But Dr. Jekyll, he has some pretty guilty pleasures. And he admits that he's been living a dual life. Like he... He says, quote, I have been doomed to such a dreadful shipwreck that man is not truly one, but truly two. So he's kind of trying to deal with his guilty pleasures as uh, hiding it instead of kind of embracing it and maybe exercising it safely. Um, and this is how he uh, decides to solve it with science. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... saying that. There's the duality of man, and um, I'm sure we'll get to it, but yeah, he specifically talks about how he just goes out and, you know, um, raises a little hell, as we said before, which is kind of funny, you know, it's like the song, but there's usually an easy fix for it afterwards, like we saw, as we can talk about in retrospect, all you got to do if you step on a child's face is to give their parents just a little bit of money. No harm, no foul, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's really not that hard, especially if your uh, bank account is uh, nice. So, oh, yeah. Bas- it, it, that That's like the most cool thing about this story, I think, and we'll see it, is that Dr. Jekyll, you know, he transforms into Hyde because he wants to. It's not this right. involuntarily, involuntary thing well eventually it does become that but he wants to dive into his guilty pleasures and that's how he does it so i think that's the biggest difference between that right culture that almost does seem like something yeah like you just said that i would have associated it with before is it's a science experiment gone wrong but yeah he explicitly does say that he just wants to let the demon out a little bit and go have uh <laughs> have a little fun what he may refer to as fun yeah 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 so he explains and he's like you know i've done some research on this whole duality thing because this is also the time of uh uh freudian psychology and he he was trying to like, a lot a lot of psychologists were trying to uh, decipher if man is good or bad or like half good, half bad or just truly good or truly evil. So, and Dr. Jekyll, he's trying to figure that out and applying science instead of psychology. So he creates a chemical solution and like we said, he uses lots of salt. <laughs> like, um, mm, <laughs> that, you can't get enough of that sodium. Yeah, we just knew about the NA on the, that was the only uh, table of, ele- the only element we knew about on the table of elements is sodium. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, it's the only one you need to know about if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sick of hearing about hydrogen. It's just, and oxygen, it's just like, this is the one, N.A.? Yep. So he drinks the potion. 
that he's done like this, lots of research on, and he says, quote, my bones started to grind, and a horror of the spirit that cannot be exceeded at the hour of birth or death. These agonies began to subside, and I came to myself as if I were out of a great sickness. There was a strange, there was something strange in my sensations, something indescribably new, and from its very novelty, incredibly sweet. I felt younger and happier in this body. Within, I was conscious of a heady recklessness, a solution of the bonds of obligation, an unknown but not an innocent freedom of the soul. I was tenfold more wicked, and in that moment, it delighted me like wine, end quote. So that's a lot to unpack there. That's basically how yeah. this whole book is written. <laughs> Very oh heavy. Oh, my God. Um, but basically, he's saying, like, you know, at first, this transformation, it hurt a lot. Uh, but I was basically reborn. I felt... That, that's one weird thing, too, is that uh, Mr. Hyde is actually really young, despite his deformity. The whole um, thing is just so strange. Yeah. You'd think he'd be wicked and, like, this weird, wrinkled man. But, no, Dr. Jekyll's actually very... He, well, he's not very old. He's um, 50-something. So, but, yeah. And he's like... You know, I felt good in this thing. Like, you know, I felt all these temptations and it just like overfilled me. And it was like wine. Like it was like that good. Like he's loving these temptations that much. When he transforms into Mr. Hyde, Dr. Jekyll's a tall man, but Mr. Hyde's small. So when he does this transformation, it's basically a metaphor for him uh trying to hide his his uh you know his guilty pleasures that's what he thinks right instead of staying in the same form of dr jekyll like the same height and stature so he you know at first the he loves this new this new version of himself they're having a good time because dr jekyll he's pretty old and you know you can't do that much mischief when uh when you're 55 but you can when you're like really young like mr hyde and at first jekyll you know he could sleep at night because he could repair any damage that mr hyde would do because at this point it was pretty minor um I don't know if you count trampling children minor, Whoa. but in Dr. Jekyll's we, we, mind. We, we keep going back to it, yeah. but it's a pretty essential part of the story that, yeah, that's literally, that's like the first, I suppose the first notable account of mischief that um, Hyde does commit. But yeah, I'm positive that that's the thing he's talking about when he's like, well, oh, it's easy enough just to pay the family a little bit as long as i'm not out there like you know murdering or anything like that (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know as long as i don't 
almost murder somebody or completely murder somebody. I think we're going to have a good time here, Mr. Hyde. So what else do you think that he's doing with this mischief? You think that he's just out at the pubs drinking with the boys or what the hell? Well, yeah, like um, I, I didn't include it in the outline because it is kind of minor, but um, sure. he, he does go to um, a pub at one point in the in one point of the story, but it's more of when Mr. Hyde has no other options and he's trying to hide. Um, but he slaps a woman there. Um, so I don't know if that was something Dr. Jekyll was into. And I, I think he just really enjoyed how evil Mr. Hyde was. Cause like everyone just looks at him and they're frightened and like Mr. Hyde, um, he's this, embodiment of just complete chaos and not caring about what other people perceive of you you know like he shows no remorse after killing somebody uh and he does all these things as if they're just like his nature you know right it's pretty tough to sympathize with the jekyll at all honestly yeah I don't know. He's he's uh. We'll have to talk about him more for sure. Um, right. Once again, just a very interesting character analysis. One that I was not expecting going into the story. Me neither. Um. So, like uh, things are going good, but things start to go bad, as we can expect. And one night, Doctor Jekyll, he's. Like, all right, good night, moon, good night, stars, and he goes to sleep, and, uh, well, when he wakes, he's Mr. Hyde. (laughs) So, this obviously Mm -hmm. scares him. (laughs) He wakes up and he sees the twisted hand. Yep, the hairy hands. It's also pretty interesting, too, because he doesn't know that he's in the body of Hyde until he notices the hand, so it's almost like, uh, it's like the same consciousness going on, but... Like, he's only changing his physical form and doing all the nasty crap he wants to do as opposed to completely, um, you know, having a complete personality shift. Maybe that's the entire idea and I'm just not interpreting it the or how it was meant to be interpreted. But I don't yeah. know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Hyde is just the worst of Dr. Jekyll's, like temptations embodied right and yeah it's just a hundred percent that kind of kind of like uh with alex you know like instead of making a black comedy about um just minor crimes they're like very violent and yeah like otherwise it the the point of the story wouldn't um be as emphasized i think without mr hyde doing some very nasty things yep um and so, yeah, this, like, transformation into Mr. Hyde is very scary. And he's like, all right, you know, I like to have control over this guy. Um, so I'm not going to drink the potion for two months. I'm going sober. <laughs> like, I'm only drinking mm-hmm, going, gin from now on. <laughs> going cold turkey. <laughs> yep. Uh, which good for him. Uh, but eventually his, his temptations get the best of him. Yeah, he he drinks the potion once again to transform into him. And this was the night that he attacks the parliament member. And he says, quote, 
instantly the spirit of hell awoke in me and raged. With a transport of glee, I mauled the unresisting body, tasting delight from every blow. End quote. So. Pretty gnarly description to the unresisting body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's basically just delivering blow after blow, even though this man's dead. Um, and Hyde, he's just, he's having a good time. He doesn't feel any remorse, but when, like, right when he's starting the transformation into Jekyll, he starts crying, and Jekyll, he starts crying, and he's just, like, begging for God for forgiveness while he's on his knees. And as we'll remember, too, he, um, Hyde had used Jekyll's cane to beat this man to death, and he beat him with it so hard that the thing actually snapped in half. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that didn't stop him. Nope. So, so it finally took a murder to convince Dr. Jekyll that he'll never turn into him again. And this is like, this is the point of the story where Mr. Utterson and uh, Mr. Enfield, they're like, they're pretty pleased with how Dr. Jekyll's doing, recovering, like right in the beginning there of this part. So, yeah, he is doing pretty well because he's not, like, dabbling with Mr. Hyde's. Oh, um, and Jekyll, he finally realizes that he's like, you know what? I, I don't have to turn into this monster side of me. Uh, I can just be myself and maybe just dabble into sinning a little bit. Uh, which he should have done in the first place, but <laughs> just a little sin. <laughs> yeah, like just a little sin, like not saying my prayers before bed. Just oh. <laughs> um, but he says, "Quote: There comes an end to all things. The most capacious measure is filled at last, and this brief, brief condescension to my evil." finally destroyed the balance of my soul and so basically once again very <laughs> big words there and but basically he's saying you know i was trying to look healthy i did it for a little bit but my mind was deteriorating to the point where my soul is just out of balance it needs to be uh adjusted he but he let hide in just a little bit and he thought that he could keep it tamed and under control but um i mean clearly i suppose there's some nice big metaphor here but basically he he let it in and uh the thing clearly doesn't want to go anywhere oh it's yeah. having too good of a time because i suppose jekyll himself isn't the only one having a good time if this thing is a whole other part of his personality he tries to tame it but um you know it doesn't work out so good yeah, it's like trying to tame a caveman. You just can't do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is exactly it. Like he he gave Mister Hyde an inch, and Mister Hyde took a hundred kilometers, a hundred miles. Like he very nice. Yep, he just went. He wants to be like you know the full form, and, and it's like weird too because. Hyde, he he knows that he because he Mr. Hyde is like this own 
uh, person at this point. And basically, when he commits these crimes, he knows he can go back to Dr. Jekyll. But at this point, Dr. Jekyll's pretty dumb with him. So Mr. Hyde's like, well, then we're just going to turn into Mr. Hyde then. Uh, Mr. Hyde is going to be Mr. Appear. Um, And so realizing that the... Or, so yeah, one day he's just like chilling in this park. He's on a swing. He's having a good time. Maybe teeter tottering with uh, some children he just trampled. But uh, whatever. Oh, <laughs> he's making amends. Um, he's like, yeah. So I heard a kid. Uh, I heard this uh, crazy guy trampled you, huh? And then this little girl's like in a cast, and uh, she's like, yeah, that, that wasn't fun. And Doctor Jekyll's like, well, do you want to see him again? And he turns into Hyde unvolunt- involuntarily. <laughs> Uh, JK, it was just him at the park. But, yeah, so realizing that the cops would arrest him in public, um, he realizes that he can't really be getting these drugs uh, to turn back into Dr. Jekyll. So he needs to brag to Mr. Lanyon, so he's like, you know, I want you to see this really cool thing I've been working on, and, you know, it might just kill you because it's so frightening, but it's going to be worth it because I get to brag. And so that whole scene goes down uh, where he turns into Dr. Dr. Jekyll before this man's eyes and this man dies, like we mentioned before. And after this, uh, Dr. Jekyll, he has to consume large amounts of the potion to stay as Jekyll like every six hours. And it's like a double dose everything's going all right like he's sticking to his double dose but once his friends mr utterson and enfield come by and they're trying to get him outside uh like we mentioned earlier uh the reason why he ran away from his friends was because he was about to turn into mr hyde so it's just out of control and hyde he starts to take over and he awakes as him uh Every single time, even if it's a nap or, like, waking up in the morning. And as we said, too, um, one of the most interesting things to take note of is that the two men under Jekyll's window noticed that uh, there was even a change in the look on his face. You know what I mean? Whether that was just because it was pure terror or perhaps the transformation had started. Yeah, yep. Like, he just had the craziest look in his eyes. Um, he just is looking very weird. Like, maybe oh, yeah. one side of his face is a really big frown, and then the other side was, like, this big smile. Like, I, <laughs> I just really don't know. Um, the duality of man. <laughs> yeah. Is man truly happy or truly mm. sad? <laughs> ah. uh, so, yeah. Um Obviously, Dr. Jekyll, his special salts, even his most loyal butler is not able to find these special salts around town as he's locked up in the lab. So he stashes a very small amount so he can write this final letter for Utterson while he's locked up. And he writes that he has about like 30 minutes left until he is like, permanently Mr. Hyde so he doesn't know what the future will hold for Mr. Hyde but he does know it for himself and he says quote 
as I lay down the pen and proceed to seal up my confession, I bring the life of that unhappy Henry Jekyll to an end. Unquote. And that is the end of our story. Well, great write-up. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I made my way through this whole story to picking up the obvious bits and pieces, but there is just so much going on on top of how difficult it is to read in the first place. So I feel like I've got a much better handle on it than when I even, like I said, went through the story myself. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, I didn't really fully understand a lot of these scenes until I had to write it out. So, yeah, it's uh, even though um, I knew the twist, um, it's still a pretty enjoyable novel. Like, you can see... um, elements of horror that are used today um so yeah i thought it was pretty fun and i i was genuinely surprised that uh mr hyde was not this uh monster that dr jekyll didn't want to turn into as something that you know was part of his like subconscious as messed up as it might have been right so um yeah, and it was it was very hard not to talk about spoilers or anything for this book because there's so much symbolism and themes and all these different things that are going on with duality and like oh, is yeah. man truly good or truly evil or maybe just a little bit of both. Um, right, and that's what we'll be here to hopefully kind of discuss next week. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're definitely gonna discuss that. Uh, I'm looking forward to, because I kind of mentioned it briefly, because, um, uh, you know, this is a part on psychology and just just diving into the nature of man, which is pretty interesting. Uh, Pretty interesting to see a scientific approach to it, or a science fiction approach to it, um, because this could have been a fantasy novel. But the fact that there's science involved is, you know, it makes it one of the earliest sci-fi horror books, which is always fun. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll be here next week. Um, Thanks for listening. Well, before we sign off, actually, we'll be here next week with our review. But I suppose... We could, uh, just real quickly, I could give the title of what we'll be covering the week after that. Oh, of course, of course. Um, just because I've been on such a, whatever, um, what is it, 19th century, 18th century, how does, how does that, how does that stuff work again? The 1800s were the 19th century, isn't that how that works? Yeah, right now we're in the 21st century, so this would okay. have been the 19th century, but you can just say the 1800s right. or that. Just because we've been on such a kick with it between this and Frankenstein, I kind of want to dig into it even a little deeper. So I was, um, instead of picking something that I'd actually heard of or had wanted to read for a while, I was just kind of digging through um, spooky stories of the time, and I stumbled upon one by a man named Henry James called The Turn of the Screw. Uh, I literally do not know anything about it other than I think it takes place in a mansion or something like that. So we'll be back the week after our discussion with part one.
of that. And I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Yep. I believe it's, uh, it's actually inspired some of the haunting of Hill house, uh, series on Netflix. So who could forget it? Yep. Um, but yeah, we're going to continue this little gothic horror thing. It's pretty fun. Lucas and I were, uh, pretty big horror fans. Lucas is way more of a horror fan than I am. He could tell you everything about the genre. But I, I like to dabble too. But you got to keep it. You can't. Uh, you just got to keep it uh, not too spooky. That's that's. Oh my yeah. I no. mean, hey, we'll just wait and see. I suppose, like I said, I didn't even know this book existed before a couple of days ago. Yeah, me either. So um, um, we'll find out. Yep. Go ahead. Follow us on the Instagram if you want. It's just the Bad Apple Book Club. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> and bye-bye. Bye. Trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know, oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>